What's up, Awu? How are you guys doing this morning? Uh, my name is Ronnie Farmer. I'm going to serve as the executive pastor of Real Community Covenant Church. I was a multi-ethnic, multi-cultural church here in Marion, Indiana. I see some realtors are here in the building this morning. Um, and I am also the husband of Dr. Sarah Farmer. Yes. Who is the superstar in our family. Um, sometimes I'm on campus and I introduce myself, students will say, hey, are you, are you Dr. Farmer's husband? And I'll say, indeed, I am. And I will bask in what I have come to refer to as wifey shine. And so I'm excited this morning to share and to, in the process of getting ready to preach, just give honor to my wife who has been gracious in helping me prepare this morning. Um, it's a pleasure for me to be here this morning. One of my joys, particularly when I was in college, was being involved in college ministry. I spent all four of my years um, as a college student serving with InterVarsity Campus Ministry and um, doing ministry to college students. And so this morning, I feel like I'm right at home, and I'm really excited to share this morning uh, before you what the Lord has put on my heart. And so um, as we prepare our hearts for the, for the word of God this morning, would you join me as we go before the Lord in a word of prayer? Father, this morning as we gather and we exalt the name of your son, Jesus, I thank you for the incredible privilege, God, to proclaim your word and to declare, God, with humility what you have deposited in my heart. Father, this morning as we would open up your word, I pray that you would come, that you would meet with us, God, and you would make the word flesh. I pray this morning that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would produce fruit that remains in the hearts of this, of this um, generation and of the students on this campus. And I pray that they would be marked with an incredible zeal to walk in integrity, Father, all the days of their life. We ask this this morning in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Quite often um, as a pastor, I'm often asked particularly by students preparing for ministry or students simply trying to discern their vocational call, what is one piece of advice um, that I would give to anyone preparing for vocational ministry? And as I'm using ministry, um, I want to use as a broad term this morning to describe any type of service to others in the service of God. And my advice is, is always the same, and it's this, no matter what the cause, whatever vocation the Lord calls you into, always walk with unyielding integrity. I want to let you know today that it is the singular most indispensable leadership trait and that it has no equivalent. In 1993, Barry Posner and James Coos, two academics, published a book called Credibility, um, which essentially featured over 400 comprehensive case studies from around the world on leadership. Um, this book was a culmination of 30 years of research in which they asked this singular question to the global community. What leadership trait do you desire most in a leader? What is your non-negotiable? And just about every survey, integrity and honesty were highlighted more than any other desired trait in a leader. 
as we talk about integrity this morning, I want to start with a story. And as I start with a story, I need to introduce a couple people to you this morning. Meet Elisha and Micah. My two sons who are on the screen, who are brothers as well as frenemies. One night, um, several years ago, as we were putting our kids to bed, um, our eldest son, Elisha, who was about six at the time, got into a sibling spat with our middle son, Micah, who was about four. Um, Dr. Farmer and I often joke sometimes and say we're referees because of the amount of disputes and spats we often have to navigate uh, with our kids. Um, so anyhow, um, this particular evening, um, after we put them down about 10 minutes or so, um, we start to hear arguing and shouting, which eventually culminates into yells for one of us to come back into the room. This was pretty normal for the farmers. So like usual, I get out of bed, not Dr. Farmer, and head to their room and begin to do what I have become, come to refer to as sibling mediation. Um, as soon as I walk into the room, I ask the infamous parent question, your parents probably asked it to you, who started it, right? And as I begin to ask the question, I look at Micah, he points to Elisha, he says Elisha started it. I ask Elisha who started it, he points to Mike and say Micah started it. And uh, if you guys have ever met my son Elisha, sometimes he'll be with me on campus, the kid is super articulate. And so right in the middle of the conversation, as we're talking, he looks at me, he's like, Dad, trust me, trust me. It was Micah. You, you, you know this guy. It was Micah, something along those lines or whatnot. And so... Um, I have a traditional conversation, go to bed, it's late, daddy has, mommy has to get up in the morning. Then I head out the room, and about five minutes later, it all starts again. And this happens in a, literally about maybe five or seven times in the a, in a context of maybe about 10 or 15 minutes or so. And so one of the things I've learned um, as a parent is that you oftentimes have to employ diverse strategies and tactics to get over on your kids, right? And so um, as I'm making my final visit to the room, I start plotting. And right before I leave the room, I look at the kids and say, hey, guys, dad's going to bed. I act like I shut the door. I turn the lights off, and I ninja tiptoe into the corner of the room where no one can see me, and I duck down like this. And I say to myself, tonight I will discover who the culprit is. <laughs> About two minutes after I'm in a room, my eldest son, Elisha, emerges from his covers, whacks his brother in the back, pow, and then yells, Dad, he just hit me again. <laughs> Throws the covers back over his head and then becomes motionless as if he hasn't done anything at all. I was so shocked <laughs> that I literally just sat in the dark for several minutes, just like, what in the world is going on with my son? As I emerged and turned on the light, realizing that I had been there the whole time, a look of absolute terror comes over Elisha's face that evening because daddy didn't play that. 
Um, and so from, from this um, emerges uh, with my son one of the most significant conversations that we've probably ever had um, around what I want to talk to you about today, which is integrity. And I want to tell you something. We have a heavenly father who can see in the dark. A heavenly father who sees all the things that we try to hide from others. Our addictions, our true feelings about other people, that secret hookup with Bay that has your RA up all night. In Psalms 139, 12, and yes, I do talk to the RAs. David says this, he says, for darkness as is unto light to him. And what David is essentially saying about God is that God can see into every corner of our lives, even when we perceive that no one else can. And as we prepare to open the word of God today, I want to ask you a question. And the question is this, who are you when no one is watching? Or rather, who are you when you think no one is watching? I want to pick up my text this morning from Psalms 101, verses 1 through 4. Holy Spirit, give life to your word and bring conviction where it's needed. This is David speaking in Psalms 101. He says, I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me, I will know nothing of evil. And back up in verse 2, the anchoring scripture for today, I will walk with integrity of heart. Where? Within my house. Psalms 101 is one of my favorite songs because in it, King David is making a prophetic proclamation about his life. He says, I will walk with integrity within my house. Notice in the text that David doesn't say, I might walk with integrity in my house. Or when it's uh, not costly, I'll walk with integrity in my house. But rather he says, I will walk with integrity in my house to honor the Lord. He was committed to follow the Lord in every context. So as we talk about this word integrity today, what exactly is integrity? Less than mystify the word some this morning. Um, the, the word integrity in the, in the Hebrew carries a, a sense of soundness and completeness. And it comes with this idea of being a fully integrated person, which essentially means that when a person has integrity, they're the same person that you see at chapel, and they're the exact same person that you see walking on the sidewalk here around campus. They are fully integrated, and they are the same person in every space. 
Sometimes whenever we think about a building collapsing or a bridge collapsing, we'll oftentimes use this word and we'll say that that structure has lost integrity. And what we're actually saying is that that structure has lost the ability to maintain soundness against outside pressures. And one of the things that I believe about integrity that is so important is that when a person walks in integrity, they have the ability to maintain godly character regardless of what influences press in on them. Dr. Kenneth Boa says it like this, speaking about integrity. He says, it's a matter of having the right heart and allowing the person you are on the inside to what? Match the person you are on the outside. Think about that. And then he says this. He says, this is how God is. In Hebrews 13, 8, we, we, we see this incredibly beautiful um, text that is talking about Jesus. And it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. This is a statement honoring the eternal integrous nature of God. And essentially what it is saying is that the thing about God that is unchanging throughout eternity is his character. And this is what we reflect and model in integrity. Now, I want to say this because I want to make sure that I make this accessible and that we don't make integrity about something that is around perfection. David, in his life, who wrote this psalm, committed perhaps one of the most horrible moral failures that we see within the biblical text. But one of the things about David was even in his mistake, the posture of his heart was always set to honor the Lord. And integrity is about consistency at its core. It is a commitment to reflect godly character at all times and in all spaces. It is not, nor can it ever be, compartmentalized reality in the life of a follower of Christ. It encompasses every area of your life. Notice in the text as well where David says that he will walk in integrity. I love this. He says, in his house, in the very space that was outside of the view of the public gaze. Integrity that does not begin in privacy is not real integrity. Who are you when no one is watching? Because that is oftentimes the real you. Some time ago, um, Christianity Today published a great article, and the article was this. It said, um, how can so many pastors, the, the title it was, how can so many pastors be godly and dysfunctional at the same time? Have you, have you ever thought about that or wondered that? I think that is a profound question. I asked this question more in seminary than any other time in my life as I rub shoulders with brothers and sisters who are preparing for full-time ministry. And one of the things that the author says in this article is that oftentimes Christians live disintegrated lives where they believe that character and honesty are only meant for certain spaces. Several months ago, um, I was, um, as we were coming from church, I, I had a pretty profound conversation with my son. We um, had come from church and uh, we're sitting in the house and uh, my son, Elisha, who I Reference at the beginning of the sermon, he said, "Hey, Dad, can I 
can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. What's, what's, what's up, my man? And um, he looks at me. He says, Dad, can I, can I tell you something? I said, sure. He says, I, I just got to tell you before I tell you. I think if I say this, you're probably going to get offended, Dad. And I'm like, okay, okay. We can talk about anything. He says, I've noticed something, Dad. He says, you're different at church sometimes than you are at home. And I was starting to kind of scratch my head because I placed a lot of value on integrity. I'm a one on the Enneagram, you know, and so he's messing kind of with my, with my inner me. And so as we begin to continue this conversation, he says, I'm like, what do you mean? Can you give me an example? He says, yeah. He says, I've noticed that, like, you know, if Elisha, Mike, and I are Acacia, we're playing around and we're not listening to you, if we're at church, you'll be like, hey, guys, it's okay. Come over here. Have a seat. Take it easy. How are you feeling today? Oh, yeah. You want something to drink, son? But he's like, hey, Dad, if we're, like, if we're at home, you'll be like, hey, you better sit down, bruh, bruh. What you talking about, you know? And so as, 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 I, as, I, as I'm listening to my son, I'm like, wow. He just called out his dad. And he was absolutely right. How many of you know the Holy Spirit can speak to an eight-year-old? And, and I began to reflect and think about his statement, and it was true. And what it did was it caused me to begin to think more about the patience I gave to my sons and my daughters in moments as a dad when I would get frustrated or moments as a dad where we would be up all night trying to get these young fellas to go to bed. But integrity is about consistency, and I believe one of the graces that we have in community is to be able to have people around us who can spot out your weaknesses, who can tell your blind spots, who can say, hey, man, your breath stinks, my friend. You need to get that right. There are so many people on this campus who are preparing for ministry who don't have people around them speaking truth into their lives. And I believe that we are launching people out into a global community who have not been shaped and formed by community. So what happens when a person consistently and habitually compromises their integrity? And I want to share a story today to kind of illustrate this in a very um, just, just, just um, vulnerable way. Several years ago when I was um, in seminary, I attended a church um, called um, Quest Community Church. I was there and uh, would oftentimes go to a men's group just as a way as a young pastor to have accountability around me and to make sure that I was living a life of integrity. And so one night as I'm at church um, in our men's group, I, I look across the room, and as I look across the room, I see uh, the youth pastor from the church I used to attend in undergrad. And um, um, at the group ends that night, uh, we're making our way downstairs, and it just so happens that as we exit the room uh, that evening, that he and I come out at the same time, and we start some small talk. I knew him. He knew me. Um, once again, I had visited his church. He was a youth pastor church he used to be a part of. And as we're heading down the stairs, I never forget the phrase he says. He says, well, Ronnie, to tell you something. He says, I don't know if you know, but I'm a fallen pastor. And I had so much respect for his life and for his ministry that when he said fallen pastor, I thought maybe he meant that he had physically been hurt or something like that. And I said, you know, can you tell me, Mark, what do you mean by a fallen pastor? And he began to go into this story 
about how he had gotten involved with a young lady in his youth group and how that relationship became physical and ultimately ended in his demise as a pastor. As we were talking, what was so heartbreaking was that as I looked in the backdrop of the foyer where we were talking, I could see his beautiful wife and I can see his beautiful daughters. And the scars from his lapse of judgment were so, so real. I was so pierced in my heart that I just started weeping and crying in the foyer as we were having this conversation. And, 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 and the thing about Pastor Mark that I knew was that he loved God. And so I could not reconcile in my mind how a pastor who was committed to the Lord, who loved Jesus, could fall and this could happen. And so as we were talking and tears are streaming down my eyes, I'm looking at me and I'm like, like Pastor Mark, like, help me understand. Like, like, like how did this happen? And as we're having this conversation, he says, you know, uh, farmer, for some time I've struggled with pornography. And what became or started as a, as a small problem eventually just grew into a, a large giant in my life. And um, I never quite told anybody about it. And I knew it was an issue, but I never confessed it. And that desire inside of me began to take me over. And I found myself having interactions with young women in our youth group that were inappropriate. And I eventually stumbled and fell. And as we were talking, he said what I believe to be the most heart-wrenching statement during our conversation. And he looks me in the eyes and he says, Farmer, I'll probably never, ever preach the gospel again. And I begin to think about the reality that it is possible for a person to make a decision that compromises their ability to do the very thing that God has called them to do. Your integrity is an indispensable part of your Christian character. Wherever you go, whatever you do, never let it go. John Maxwell, leadership guru, he says this. He says, with every falsehood, however, we erode our character and sacrifice the moral high ground. Dishonesty undercuts our credibility and undermines our influence. When you lack integrity, you throw away your influence. The very thing that God uses to sway people to him. In Proverbs 22.1, the Bible says this. It says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. I want to ask you a question today. What are people saying about you when you're not around? When, when your name is mentioned in a space and you're not there, what is the immediate thought that comes to people's minds as it relates to who you are as a follower of Christ? If you lack integrity, your name will be destroyed. So, farmer... What is the pathway to maintaining integrity? I'm glad you asked. The pathway to maintaining integrity is not perfection, but rather confession. In 1 John 1, 8 and 9, 
John says this. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let me paraphrase that from you. We're all broken in different ways. But the grace we have is that in our brokenness, we can come to God and confess our sins and be healed and be restored. And this is how we stay in fellowship with the Lord and maintain our integrity. How are you doing with that today? Let us look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we desire to be men and women who are the same in private as we are in public. Help us grow in our ability, God, to be people of integrity. Where we're weak, surround us with people, God, who can strengthen us. And where we're strong, continue to prune us. May our lives produce fruit that remains. And may the world know who we are because of our commitment to you and our committedness to integrity. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you this morning.